get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's this episode's host from up the coast, the man who puts the X in Xbox and the tie on antisocial... Comedy Soundcast Soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saner. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Saluto, Nestus, me, Tyson Saner, and I will be your host for this episode of Suckatash, the number's 304. Last week in episode 303, my co-host, and your more or less every other show host, Mark Hershon, brought you a Chats episode that featured a conversation with Pat Hazel, who, as described by Mr. Hershon in last week's episode description, quote, is a multi-hyphenate threat, as they used to say, comedian, writer, director, producer, and, as of the pandemic, host of a soundcast called Creativity in Captivity, end quote. It's a terrific episode with some fascinating conversation, and I encourage you to listen to it when you get the chance, assuming you have not already done so. Suckatash also has a format that we refer to as Clips Episodes, and this one that you are listening to right now is one of those. This week I went out and clipped a trio of other people's soundcasts for you. I've got clips from the soundcasts Hello Wonderful, Probably Should Have Known Better, and That Happens. I've also got a classic commercial from our longtime fake sponsor, Henderson's Pants for You. I can't think of a single reason not to get to the clips ASAP, so here goes. First up, Hello Wonderful from Dr. Terry Dornack. Psyde, that is capital P-S-Y-D, uh, capital D. And the show description says, We have funny, we have heart. Join the host, clinical psychologist Dr. Terry Dornack, Psyde, a member of the queer community herself, as she interviews a new guest from the queer community each week as they tell a story from their life. We want to fight and break stigma and stereotypes about the queer slash LGBTQ community with our stories. Storytelling has power, and it is the power of others that has created stigma and stereotypes. It is time we take back the power that has been taken from the queer community. Videos are ad-free on our Patreon. Okay, so they have a Patreon. Very cool. I will include the links to those uh, elsewhere. So the clip I've taken is from an episode from April 23rd, 2022, very recently. It's episode 23, and it's called, Hmm, Would I Rather Get Lost in the Amazon or Deal with Florida Politics? And then the episode description says... Are you ready, folks? Now, folks is spelled with an X at the end, and that question ends with an exclamation point. I hope you are. Episode 23 brings us exciting guests all the way from the jungles of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Jamie Bean, who is going to crack up at their intro, is an author, parent, traveler, zookeeper, and reluctant fireworks watcher. Her book, Untouched, is a queer adventure novel that tells the thrilling journey of two graduate students who are lost in the Amazon. Beware of curses, animals, bugs, and bisects. Oh my. Listen in as Jamie shares her tells of being a zookeeper, working at Disney, her travels, and writing her book. We also discuss, quote, groupthink, unquote, which seems to be behind a lot of what has been in the air of politics lately. A little extra note here. It says this is our season one finale. There will be a one-month break before season two, which uh, premieres just before Pride Month. And then in parentheses, it says, I'm not going to miss that, exclamation point. Tell me about becoming a zookeeper. What led you to that? Like, what what are you going to do to be a zookeeper? A lot. I actually didn't have to do nearly as much as some people do. I was incredibly lucky. Like, just the planets kind of aligned in all the right way. But I originally went to school for graphic design 
And then when I was in, I feel like it was a biology class because it was, you know, part of your general education courses. I met somebody who had worked with animals and was a zookeeper. I didn't realize that like my childhood dream job was something I could actually do. So then I switched to biology as my major and got a job working at a local zoo in the commissary, which is where they make the diets and everything for the animals. And then I just kind of worked my way up from there and was really fortunate to be offered a position on the primate team there. And so I graduated to that, worked there for about six years, and then moved on to a larger institution and was there for about another six years. And yeah, and then I semi-retired. They did some internships at SeaWorld. Usually it's a lot of internships, a lot of trying to get your foot in the door. And I just happened to be really fortunate and be near a small zoo that was hiring in a position that allowed me to kind of move up can take a lot, but you need so many different skill sets. You need animal behavior, you need training, you need psychology, you need geography, natural history. The list is just relatively endless medical knowledge, veterinary knowledge. Yeah, it takes a lot. It's a big amalgamation of skills to be a keeper, but yeah. I like it. doesn't pay well, but you know. You said a small zoo. What zoo was it that you started at? Central Florida Zoo and Botanical Gardens up in Sanford, Florida. It's like slightly north of Orlando. So if anybody's in that area, definitely visit them because they're a small accredited facility and they're amazing. And down the road is a donut shop called Donuts to Go that has the best donuts in the entire world. Nobody will ever be able to tell me otherwise. I love donuts. Who doesn't? What's your favorite donut? Oh, it depends on where I get it from. If I get it from that donut place, which is where I will always drive now, it's a a good ways away. But when I get it, I get a peanut butter donut, which is a chocolate glazed with peanut butter in the middle. Where did you go from the Central Florida place? Uh, I went from Central Florida Zoo to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Okay. Which is where now you work part time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Regional part time. Yes. And so what was it like at Disney? Totally different than a small zoo because it is very much a giant corporation. So you what go from working. Pros oh, and cons. Sorry. Ooh, pros and cons. I'm going to get like sniped through a window <laughs> by the mouse. If you, um, if you have a problem, if you can't say, it's okay. It's fine. There are a lot of pros and cons. I don't know. Small Zoo is very much a close-knit team of like, it was just me and two other people on our team. And then I went to Disney where there were 16 people on a team. So you go from a lot of places aren't these giant teams unless you go to a really big zoo. Um, But most zoos are medium to small outside of like your really big city zoos. So to me, it's kind of a mix between a pro and a con because you're dealing with so many people at once as opposed to having to make decisions with a very small unit. And then to me, cons are just the fact that it's in a theme park. You know, you're dealing with, you're not just doing your job, you're making the magic happen, your customer service, you still have to follow all the Disney rules and guidelines and and things like that. And so to me, that's a con because I have tattoos, my hair is a different color and all this, the hair and everything was after I started um, staying at home more. And so now I can just wear a hat 
with it. But technically, it's, it's not legal to have dyed hair. I just got my not nose allowed. pierced. I'm not allowed to have that. They just recently added tattoos as something that's allowed, but it's only certain tattoos and can't be longer than like your hand. So I don't know if mine counts. I don't. Sure, you have to hide it with sleeves. Yeah, and and luckily, so when I got this one, I was still working there, and I brought my work shirt with me in my costume, and I was like, it just can't be below that. I was like, that's where you have to stop for working reasons. Just the politics and just the the bigness of a, a massive corporation. To me, as a con, some people they thrive on that and they think that's amazing, but to me personally, it's rough for me. But. Pros are you do have a whole bunch of people, so you're not like feeling guilty if you are sick and you can't come in. You know that there's people that are going to cover you. The resources, you know, you're working for Disney, so you have literally every resource and communication available to you that you can, you know, go through on some way or another. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ones, but I'm also not a huge Disney person. Like at heart, like I'm not a theme park. Disney crowds and stuff like that. Some people absolutely adore Disney, and I work with some like massive Disney fans. I am not one of them, and so for me, I'm just like, oh, cool, a new attraction, great. I'm not coming here on my day off, you know. Yeah. So, where some people live and breathe it, and that's like their entire life is. Oh my gosh, there are really there are Disney fanatics that are like. Mega. So you can find the show on Twitter at Hello Wonderful Pod. That is capital H E L L O capital W N D R F L P O D. The guest, Jamie Bean, can be reached at Jamie Bean Author. That is capital J A Y M E capital B E A N capital A U T H O R. And the host, Dr. Terry Dornack, Psyd. And the host, Dr. Terry Dornack, Psyd, can be reached at Dr. Terry Dornack, capital D R capital T E R R Y capital D-O-R-N-A-K. And you can find the show at their website, hellowonderfulpodcast.com. That is H-E-L-L-O-W-O-N-D-E-R-F-U-L-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Next up, Probably Should Have Known Better. From Probably Should Have Known Better. Its show description says, Celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. It is a podcast by Nadia Vasquez and Tony Ginocchio. The clip I've selected is from a show from December 22nd, 2021, this past holiday season. Its episode description says, Tony and Nadia close out the Disney season with a Christmas selection from the Disney Plus era and a prime example of current world Disney cranking out worthless chum for their endless content scroll, starring a, quote, worthless chum, unquote, in the form of a British child actor with negative charisma, surrounded by talented comedians who try so hard to save this movie and fail miserably. Tony shares exciting news about the upcoming hiatus. Nadia breaks down her new favorite conspiracy theory. Tony and Nadia both repeatedly talk about John Hughes' involvement without remembering that he's been dead for years. We'll see you in season six. So the film in question, whose name does not appear in the description, is uh, Home Sweet Home Alone, which, at my count, is the sixth entry in the Home Alone series slash universe. So, Nadia, why don't you talk us through the plot, and in particular... How is this different from the original Home Alone, which was, of course, uh, directed by Chris Columbus? This one is directed by Dan Mazur, whom I've never heard of. (laughs) Okay, so the story is not about the child. And the child, I didn't know his name in the movie until the very end. His name is Max. (laughs) That's how well written that was. So 
the child is a secondary character to Jeff and Pam. Jeff being... What's his name? Holy shit. Rob, Rob Delaney. Wow, my brain just completely... <laughs> sh- it's the holidays, everyone. Rob Delaney and Pam being Ellie Kemper. And they're super struggling. You know, this is very true to real life. They're having trouble paying their mortgage, so they're deciding to sell their house. And Keenan Thompson is their realtor. They don't want to tell the kids that they're selling the house. They kind of want to see what kind of offers they get. Uh, but they're on their way to... Uh, they Wait, hold on. Let me think about this because I'm mixing up families. <laughs> That's how great this is. Okay. So they're they're having a hard time. They want to sell their house. And then the little child has to go to the bathroom, Max. And his mom stops at an open house, which is at Jeff and Pam's house. And he uses the bathroom and is basically a little shit to Rob Delaney. For no reason. For no reason. For no Just reason because whatsoever. he's a spoiled little shithead. Uh, and then Rob Delaney shows him these old dolls that belonged to his mom, and the little child, uh, like, makes fun of them. He's, like, a little asshole about it, and then ultimately leaves. Rob Delaney believes, Jeff, that the child stole the doll. He discovered right. that the doll is worth a lot of money, $200,000 or more. Yeah. It's a big deal. So. If Rob Delaney can sell this doll, it, like they can keep their house, all, right. all their financial problems are done. Rob Delaney's laid off, but he can now keep his family afloat. But he thinks this shitty little British kid stole his doll. Yes, exactly. And the shitty little British kid, first of all, okay, the, this one thing that really made me laugh was he was like, I hate being around my cousins all the time. They have a giant house. So they're in, in this. Enormous. Winnetka, Illinois. Yeah, so they have this huge house in Illinois. All of their family is there because everyone's on their way to Tokyo. Because, like a Home Alone thing, they have to do some sort of international flight to give the mom enough time to fly. But <laughs> it's not its not like a mom that you're rooting for because no. she's also awful. Pete Holmes is the uncle. Everybody's scrambling. They leave the child behind. Home Alone begins. So... <laughs> But so Rob Delaney's like, I know where this child lives because I paid attention to details that they said. So let's go get the doll back from this kid. And then a bunch of other shit happens that doesn't really matter. And then there's just a bunch of shenanigans. And then it becomes you actually sympathize with the thieves because you want them to get that doll back from that horrible, horrible villain child. That's the thing is the kid is the hero, but he's being mean to these people I like. Yes. And like, you know, when Marvin, Marvin Larry, Marvin Harry, when, Harry. when Harry, when Marvin Harry were breaking into Kevin's house in the original Home Alone, like they wanted to murder Kevin. Right, like, because they originally just wanted to steal, but yeah, then Kevin <laughs> fucked with them, and they were like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> wasn't clear why they jumped to murder so quickly, but they did. And <laughs> um, and so Kevin, uh, in the 20-minute scene where Macaulay Culkin tortures two grown men, um, Kevin is acting out of uh, some, some level of self-defense, which is justified through the writing. Absolutely, um, because otherwise he would be toast. He would be dead. He would yeah. be dead. Um, this, uh, movie is what Roger Ebert, you know, would call an idiot plot, which is <laughs> the only reason the movie keeps going is because everyone involved is an idiot. And if you have a single 90 second conversation, yes. the movie would end. Uh-huh. Yeah. This movie could have been 20 minutes long. You know what this Rob- could have been? A sketch. 
on Saturday Night Live. Because <laughs> Rob Delaney thinks the kid has his doll. Spoiler, he doesn't. Right. The kid thinks that Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper are coming to kidnap him and sell him into, like, human sex trafficking. Yeah, but to, like, grandmas. <laughs> yeah, and so... Very disturbing. Um, yeah, so um, they misunderstand each other, which leads to basically what you saw in the original Home Alone, a 20-minute scene of this kid torturing uh, two adults. The problem is you like the adults this time. Yeah, and the 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 torture goes on for way too long f- towards people who you like. Yeah. So which it's is not... like, I want this child to fall down the stairs. I would like this uh. child to be... Stabbed like, with tick, tick. What are those called? Thumbtacks. Yeah, like like Rob Delaney. At, well, Marvin Harry, um, didn't murder the kid. No. And uh, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper were never gonna murder the kid. But while you're watching this movie, you're gonna be saying to yourself, "Could they murder that kid? W- would they please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would they please murder that kid? I don't like the way this movie made me homicidal towards a child." <laughs> You can reach the show on Twitter at Prolly Shoulda. That is all lowercase P-R-O-L-L-Y-S-H-O-U-L-D-A. Host Nadia Vasquez can be reached at It's Nadia Vasquez. That is all lowercase I-T-S-N-A-D-I-A-V-A-Z-Q-E-Z. And um, somebody I assume is Tony Ginocchio, but the account, which is all lowercase IMAX Afterlife, which is I-M-A-X-A-F-T-E-R-L-I-F-E, uh, and that appears on the show's Twitter account, does not work right now for the time being. And the link apparently they would like you to support them at is at Ko-Fi, or is that coffee? Is that the buy me a coffee thing? I really should look into that. As lowercase K-O hyphen lowercase F-I dot com forward slash Prolly Shoulda. Honored friends, Bill Haywatt here for Henderson's innovation in trousers and pantaloons since 1896. In this great country, the pants you wear make a statement about where you stand, not just physically, but also on the very issues that shape us as a free and style-conscious people. Now it's easy to tell friends, family, co-workers, even anonymous passers-by how you feel about today's most important issues with Henderson's new Republican Fit Jeans. Republican Fit Jeans lean firmly but gently to the right and feature drastic cuts in the seat and thigh while still responding Respecting your stomach's inalienable right to expand in our great nation's free market economy. Republican fit jeans are pro-life, pro-gun, and anti-immigration, but loose enough to let you enjoy giving a swift kick to the socialist big brother nanny state with every step you take. And if blue state politics are more to your liking, we also offer Henderson's new Democratic Fit Jeans. Democratic Fit Jeans lean gently but firmly to the left and feature a generous increase to your seat and thigh while still regulating your stomach's ability to monopolize surrounding body parts. Democratic Fit Jeans are pro-choice, pro-healthcare reform, and compostable, but tight enough to let you enjoy giving a swift kick to the fascist corporate oligarchy with every step you take. In these troubled times, don't let your pants get caught on the fence. Let your fellow citizens know how you're voting with an uncompromising pair of Republican fit or Democratic fit jeans from Henderson's. Innovation in trousers and pantaloons since 1896. And now, back to more of Suckatash. Thank you again, Bill Haywatt. Finally, 
That Happens from Starburns Audio. Our clip is from June 10th of 2021 from a show called Side Character Eyes. The show description says, Rising from the ashes like some sort of podcasting phoenix, host Jeff B. Davis, from Whose Line Is It Anyway, and Spencer Crittenden from Harmontown, embark on the most courageous and groundbreaking mission ever conceived, talking into microphones. Join our heroes as they fearlessly wade into a myriad of topics and takes as they crack wise and make merry with and without special guests. Oh, also they play Dungeons and Dragons sometimes. That happens. A podcast. Yes, it's Spencer and Jeff from Harmontown, and they've had their own soundcast for over a year now. I've been catching up on it. It's been a delight. I really missed Harmontown when it went away. <laughs> and uh, this... This is great, being able to hear them interact on a weekly basis live on Sundays over at TraubHomeVideo.com. Anyway, so this episode, again, it's called Side Character Eyes, and uh, the episode description says, Spencer's eyes typecast him in life. Jeff asks, quote, what have you done, unquote, and Jeff saves Kevin's new character from a sticky situation with some, quote, tax collectors, unquote. Kevin, in question, is uh, Kevin Day, who has uh, joined the game that they've been playing. They've got a character for him. Now, this clip isn't about that. You know, to me, mu uh, musicians and music artists have like a different, I don't know, vibe or aura or something. You know, they, they kind of have a different atmosphere about them. Like actors like can, can seem really, but they're actors, you know, so they're good at acting friendly or normal or whatever, you know, and comedians, I don't know, they want attention or whatever, but do, but do you think there's artists, any, it, any corollary yeah. or like, because you know I've you know we we know comedy people like so so I've grown up knowing stand up comedians for better mm -hmm. or for worse like many of my great friends of all time uh, have been and will always be stand ups a lot of them um, crazy uh, like you know like in in, in various ways there's uh, there's That's, the yeah. there's there's the male misogyny side and there's the absolute like you know self abuse side and stuff like that. Um, I think in music, to get up, write a song, learn a, learn an instrument, and get up and, and sing it, there, there has to be some sort of Venn diagram. And I would say it's a lot of the circles that overlap of, of the impetus to get up and tell jokes and the impetus to get up and write songs and st stand and deliver up there. No? <laughs> no, I stand think up. it's similar. I don't know. Just you. Do you remember? Were you there when we had John Mayer? Yes. On Harmon. No, no, I was not. I, I was not there. But but that's one of the only episodes of Harmontown I've ever watched. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I was there and like you know it happened and oh that happened. Uh oh. Uh oh. But John Mayer came on and he just had the most different vibe out of anyone we've ever had on. I want to say like, and it was very cool to be around him. He seemed very cool, but it was like it's so weird. I don't know. You know, I, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's a tendency to equate, like, immense talent with being a genius, you know, and, like, being really smart. But he just seems super normal or even, if, you know, like, but, but like, he was just so good at what he was doing. And that was coming through, like, he's just, like, has such a mind for music. But, like, it wasn't like he was incredible. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, I guess. Whatever. What a yeah, great I mean, thing I, to do I, on a podcast. I, I, I watched that episode, and I was fascinated because, like, he was pretty good at freestyle rapping. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm, no, I'm no Simon Cowell, you know. I, I don't know how to judge or whoever is better at judging freestyle. Um, 
everybody. I think you uh, are Simon Cowell. I'm Simon Cowell without the uh, without the anger issues and and the, uh, the <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The, it, it's all about be, being yourself, like you said. Like the idea that that if you can get up there, I don't know. The annoying people are the people that are geniuses, brilliant writers, brilliant musicians, brilliant comics, comedians, uh, creators, doctors. Um, and they seem normal. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I always want to have a like a let me off the hook card of oh yeah you're the fucking coolest person in the world but you're also totally a dick or you're <laughs> like, like you uh, you're a pickpocket. Mm-hmm. So when you meet people that seem well adjusted and they have a nice family life and they're also just good at kind of anything they touch, uh, that becomes annoying. Yeah, it's like come on. You know, you don't need to do all that. You you could just enjoy yourself. When we were doing soundcheck, uh, which again, I think we have to start recording all of us, and then maybe drop some of our pre-show conversations uh, because mm-hmm. they're often way better than what we're doing right now. Uh, sure. I had to get up and go downstairs and get myself a glass of water and uh, and, a, and an adult beverage. <laughs> and Spencer, how did that conversation start? Where you're saying that? Oh. You, you said We're just, talking like, about, I was, there's this there's there's this damn harpy who's been on the emails freaking harping at us. I won't say in what arena or capacity, but um, Kevin's like, this is this is the thing. And I'm like, you know, you tell her that she doesn't exist. Wow. <laughs> and that got us on the path of Kevin brought up. What'd you bring up, Kevin? This the uh, I don't know. We could call it an NPC theory. Yeah, there's there's some people that believe that like 99% of the people out there aren't actually real people. They don't have souls. They don't actually have lives. They just exist to be like filler. You know, like you'll bump into them at the post office or something, but they have no lives outside of that. They don't exist. They're not real people. They're just like real world NPCs. Yeah, I call the the people who believe in that philosophy uh, sociopaths or mass murderers. Yeah. But th- have you ever had the feeling like... I don't get this as much anymore. Maybe when I was younger and sexier. Some days you'd walk down the road and you felt like people saw you. Mm-hmm. And not like they were like, ooh, hubba hubba, or wow, that guy looks like an asshole. But that you just felt very visible. And and sometimes it would make me like kind of check if I had a booger on my face or my fly was undone. Like, I'm very conspicuous today. Then there'd be another day I'd go out and I thought, okay, I look good. My hair is perfect. I got the fucking best suit on. I, got, I just did it just right, just just out of the dry cleaners. And you are absolutely uh, a phantom. Like, nobody sees you at all. And then you would have to unzip a fly and put a book on your face, and they still wouldn't see you. I don't know if that's just the, uh, the magic of the spheres, where so, just some days you got it and some days you don't. I think it's definitely the magic of the spheres. That seems <laughs> well, about right. I knew you were going to say that. All right, you can reach the show on Twitter at That Happens Pod. That is all lowercase T H A T H A P P E N S P O D. Apparently, you're streaming new apps live every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific over at Shrub Home Video. Shrub Home Video, for some reason, is is uh, capitalized here. At least the Shrub in Shrub is, and I don't know if that's normally how it is on websites, but I'm just going to read it as it's written here. So it's capital S C H R A B H O M E V I D E O dot com. 
Spencer Crittenden can be reached on Twitter at The Sixler. That is capital T-H-E-S-I-X-L-E-R. Jeff Davis is on Twitter under Jeff Brian Davis. That is capital J-E-F-F, capital B-R-Y-A-N, capital D-A-V-I-S. And the show's main website, apparently, is thathappenspod.com. Again, that is T-H-A-T-H-A-P-P-E-N-S-P-O-D dot com. Well, hey, welcome to the end of the show. I do hope you found something to enjoy in all of this. Maybe you'll be inspired to seek out more content from the soundcasts featured in this program. Maybe you'll be inspired to start your own soundcast. And if you do, and I happen to hear it, I just might clip it for a future episode of Psychotash. It's hard to say. By the way, I have a newer soundcast that I've been trying to put together for a couple of years now. It is more or less geared toward mental health and wellness, and it is called Happiness or Something Like It. It actually debuted as a .5 episode of another soundcast I host with a friend of mine, Hunter Block. That is called Antisocial Show. I've been doing that since 2016. At any rate, the YouTube version of it posted just a few days ago from when this episode of Subcast dropped. I will link it here if anyone is interested in seeing that conversation. In the meantime, thank you for listening, be decent to each other, and if someone happens to ask if you've heard anything interesting lately and we spring to mind, won't you please pass the Suckatash? You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Sainer, brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at T-Y-S-O-N at SuckatashShow.com or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.